Hey everybody, welcome to the show. This week's episode is a continuation of our Meet the Team series. I very much believe that knowing the people behind the game gives you great perspective on what the game's going to be like. And we have an awesome team, so you might as well get to know them. This episode is an interview with our Chief Technical Officer, Yoris. We discuss the game, how he got onto it, we answer some community questions, and then we get into his gaming habits and personal tidbits. So make yourself comfortable and enjoy the show. Okay, so here we are live. Um, let's just start. Tell us first a little bit about your background, who you are, what your name is, where you come from, all that magical stuff. All right. So my name is Joris Havrex. I am from the Netherlands. I've been doing game development for quite a while, since I was 16, I think. I think that's oh, wow. when I started. And uh, my very first project was obviously an MMO, which <laughs> didn't go too well because I didn't know how to program. Um, <laughs> but it taught me how to program, so it was a great experience. Um, and I've always been making games. Um, after a while, I started making middleware for games, like software so other people could build games, essentially. Um, and I sold licenses for that on the Unity Asset Store for a while. Um, and Suna was a part of that as well. And then we both moved over to, to Embersword. Tell me a little bit more about that, that Unity stuff. Because I know it, it was like this... I, I know of it, but it's like shrouded in mystery. Yeah, so we... we well, I started a company called DevDog when I was still at university. And surprisingly, it actually started selling quite well and making quite a bit of money. And... I did zero marketing and zero business stuff. I was just programming, I was enjoying it, and somehow it sold itself. And then, and then Suna came on and he was like, but you, you gotta do some marketing. You gotta like reach out to people and, and like keep them happy and, and do all of that <laughs> stuff. And I was like, ah, that's, that's nonsense. I don't have to do that. And eventually he convinced <laughs> me and uh, he joined the company and he did all of the outreach and, and um, yeah, and so forth. And I guess it really took off, huh? And then, and then it really took off. And mm -hmm. then we met, uh, we met lots of other people because you know I was just sitting in my attic programming and <laughs> doing my own thing. And then Suna <laughs> came along and and really connected me with a lot of other people. And um, and that's actually where we met Serenix. And one of the people from Serenix is actually working on the Embersort project as well right now. What is Serenix? Uh, Serenix is a company we we partnered with. Uh, they also make middleware, uh, and we actually sold their software under our name. So we did all the marketing and all the outreach and so forth. So we basically became a middleman of our own. Oh, cool. Gee, man, yeah. you're enterprising as hell, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so you came to work on Ember Sword with Soon and then? Yeah, we were just, um, I had built like five software packages or something. And it was getting a little bit boring because I was mostly working by myself. And there was some money to spare, but not really to grow and start hiring lots of people. Um, it was very difficult to scale on the Unity Asset Store. And we just started talking about we always wanted to make a game, and Suno was like, oh, I, I know a person, and he knew Mark, which is now the CEO of Embersort. And Mark knew uh, a designer from the US, and he joined in, and, and we started like spitballing an idea, and before we knew it, we were working on a demo. And before we knew it, we were trying to raise money, and here we are. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, so you've been here from the very beginning then? Yeah, yeah, since the very beginning, yep. Oh, wow, damn. The stories you must know. Well, I guess we're going to get to that <laughs> in some capacity once we get to we'll the later part yep. of the process. Yeah. Uh, so, well, we covered how you came to work on Ember Sword succinctly. Uh, so what is your vision of Ember Sword? As, you know, in your capacity as the chief technical officer? 
Um, I mean, that's a, that's a tough one. There's a lot of like little visions, but I think the primary one is that games these days are too easy. Games have become so easy, and uh, you, you know those like uh, YouTube or um, Facebook advertisements you see, and then it's like 95% <laughs> of people don't know how to solve this puzzle, and a three-year-old could do it. Yes. Right. That's that what we've come to. So, I want to I want Amersort to be challenging. <clears throat> Just one of my favorite games is probably, and we'll we'll get to that. I'm spoiling a little bit, but one of my favorite games is uh, Dark Souls. Oh hell yeah! Dark Souls One. It has super good level design, but it's also extremely challenging. So once you finally defeat a boss, you feel amazing. You really feel like you achieved something. And and I want uh, I want Ambersort to have that feeling as well. I, I don't want it to be easy. That is that is actually a very very good way to put it. Uh, in in the podcast with Victor that I recorded, uh, we also discussed Sekiro and you know a, a lot of oh, yeah, software yeah. games. It. And I like that you're making a distinction between hard and challenging because I've always like I said in that podcast I maintain that Dark Souls is in no way hard. It is just challenging. Mm-hmm. And yep. I really, really appreciate that that approach to game design, at least on your part. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, I like I really like the Japanese RPG kind of genre, and another one is uh, Monster Hunter. And what Monster Hunter does really well is the games are very challenging, and when you die in the game, you really feel like you just screwed up. It doesn't feel like the game is just poorly designed. It just feels like nope, this is completely on. And that's difficult to design for, but so important. So how how is that being translated into Ember Sword then? Like we're going to get to that in some capacity in the community questions, but you know, just overall, how how do you envision the challenge happening? So when it comes to combat, the combat is pretty fast paced. Um, it's not very static. So in some MMOs, like you just stand still and you press one to nine to to cue your abilities, right? And then the game is basically knowing when you should cue what ability, so you have a good like. So that's that's how a lot of MMOs work, and it's kind of boring. So the way Ember Sword works is you have to move around a lot. You can exploit a lot of the behavioral traits from creatures, and they all have their own definitive behavioral traits. So you really need to learn their movement patterns to learn to exploit them, which I think is very similar to something like Dark Souls. Yeah, yeah, Dark Souls, Monster Hunter, all all those things. Exactly. It's, yeah. That that is a fantastic way again to to approach challenge design that those are the games that i typically gravitate towards that um amp up difficulty through increased encountered challenge really and not not just you know stats because that is so yeah exactly yeah and there's so many games that try to keep the game challenging throughout the progression of the game right so for example guild wars 2 which i kind of enjoyed at the time but everything just levels with you so you run through an area where there's like level one creatures and you kill them and then you're level 60 70 80 and you come back and there's still a challenge and you're you're trying so hard to defeat a chicken and it's just <laughs> it's no fun right you're standing there giant swords cool armor and then you have a challenge on a chicken <laughs> so the game shouldn't like the stats shouldn't uh be the balance the balance should just be skill player skill hell yeah that is that is a fantastic way to put it so we are now going to transition slightly into the more fun parts uh of this podcast um stupidly i <laughs> very late in the uh podcast schedule namely last night decided to ask the community if they have any questions towards you luckily you were also in that chat and you managed <laughs> to pick out some questions that you uh 
you know, enjoyed the idea of answering. So we're going to cover those for now. With that in mind, um, first question is, have you already done any class... class ah, God. <laughs> L sounds and R sounds are very difficult for my dumb mouth. Have you already done any cross-platform latency testing? Um, cross-platform, no, but we have done latency testing with our existing infrastructure. And at the end of the day, that latency will always stay the same, regardless if you're a mobile or on a PC or whatever. Um, and then the additional latency on a mobile device would come from the cell tower strength or, or where you are or what the quality of your network is in your environment. Um, so we haven't done testing like that yet, but we're primarily focusing on the desktop version at the moment and probably will do so for the next year, year and a half. And then uh, once we have a very good and solid base and want to start working on the mobile um, mobile app, then we'll start doing more latency testing. And generally, latency shouldn't... I mean, I don't want to you know, put words in your mouth, but latency, due to how the the game is supposed to be optimized isn't isn't going to be that big of an issue, correct? No. Um, so a lot of MMOs run at a pretty low tick rate because you have a really large world with lots of creatures and players in there, so it's kind of difficult to do a very high tick rate like you have in a shooter, for example, where you really want to have low latency. In Embersort, though, we have... And <laughs> I don't really think I can get into much too much into this because then we should probably do a different podcast because it <laughs> gets very detailed. Um, but the way Embersort is designed basically allows us to run pretty low latency game logic and still send out all of that data over the network um, while we can also make a very large open world like a World of Warcraft, for example. Or maybe even more players, or well, definitely more players than than we can do in, in a single world like World of Warcraft, for example. So we actually run at 30 ticks per second, which is very high for for an MMO, and we can actually boost it up because in our tests we actually run in I think about eight milliseconds right now, which would allow us to run at over 100 ticks per second. But there's still more things that we need to do over time. But it, it would get very expensive. <laughs> like hosting-wise, it would get very expensive because you have to pay for the bandwidth. And if you're building an MMO, then everyone connects to a single server. So we host the server for everyone. And we have to pay the, the bandwidth bill. So I don't think it's feasible to do 100. So we're probably never going to do that. But um, at, at 30, I think the responsiveness of the game is going to be a, a lot better than than your traditional MMO. It's It's a challenging tightrope to walk then it seems yeah it's it's always a um, performance and cost trade-off and also how much do you really want to optimize the code you're writing because obviously it takes time and effort as well which which also translates into money so at the end of the day you do have to make a, a pretty a pretty tight balance but we have we have optimized things a, a fair bit already uh, partially just because I really enjoy doing it <laughs> that is very good to hear. So you mentioned at the top of this uh, cross-platform. So has there been any mobile experimentation? Have you gotten to any of that? Um, so in the very beginning, the first month or so of Embersort, we made a single-player demo, which was primarily to entice the investors to say, hey, invest in us. This is what the game is going to be like. Um, and it was a very quickly and ugly hacked together um, <laughs> right. uh, a demo, roughly three weeks. 
And we, we ported that one to mobile as well to kind of see what we could expect. And it, it ran perfectly fine on mobile. Obviously, it was a single-player uh, game, so it's not really comparable, but the, the first initial tests at least looked pretty good. Nice. So already there is some sort of base in place that will allow mobile to be developed and to actually work. Yeah, yeah, mobile is definitely part of the plan, but we're going desktop first because I think, I think actually with with Albion they try to go web as well. I'm not exactly sure if their original marketing material had that, and mobile as well. And I think if you really focus on mobile and web, that you're going to design the entire world in a way where it can run smoothly on mobile. Right, which which makes sense. But if you go desktop first, you design everything to run nicely on a desktop, and then you can sort of figure out mobile later, like downgrade from desktop to mobile, and you can't really upgrade from mobile to desktop. Yeah, makes sense. This actually flows ni nicely into the next question I wanted to ask, which is, um, so as most of the people listening hopefully know, Ember Sword is going to also be available in browser, and. The question then is, how easily is the game going to convert from browser to client? Are they being made at the same time? What is the process there? Okay, so this is a bit of a technical answer, but they are essentially the same client. Mm -hmm. So we're working in Unity right now, which is C-sharp. Then the C-sharp code gets converted via IL to CPP to C++ code. And then that gets converted with mscript into WebAssembly, so it can actually run in a browser. Um, so basically they're the same client, we're just doing a conversion step to turn it into something the browser will understand. Thank you for dumbing it down so I can understand <laughs> <laughs> That's a bull quote if I've ever heard one. So, well that's that's as good of an answer as, as we can get at this point without getting into too many technical details. I am actually interested in recording a, a more technical podcast further down the line to explain all those things for the people that are interested. So. Hey, yeah, anyone who's listening, yeah. yeah, anyone who's interested in this, ping us on Discord. If we get enough, uh, I don't know, um, interest in it, we we are totally going to do it. So yeah, we could also to... do something like, mm -hmm. uh, oh, sorry, yeah, we could also do something like video streams, maybe. I think that might be fun as well, like a Absolute, Twitch stream yeah. showing some of the technicals. That can be arranged for it online as well. So, uh, moving on to, to the to the more gameplay side of things, um, there are. Skills and keybinds in the game, right? There are, you know, it, it operates yep. in very roughly speaking, kind of like Dia Diablo, if you will. Uh, and Diablo three was actually ported to PlayStation, and it, you know, found decent success there. I actually played a lot of it on PS4, and I found the controller to be a very, very, uh, sorry, the controller control scheme to be very well implemented. Uh, so <laughs> the question then becomes, uh, how will those things? work in Ember Sword? How is there going to be controller integration? How are those skills going to translate into a controller? Things like that. So we haven't really experimented with this yet because we're really focusing on just the desktop. We have a, a fairly small team, right? So we really have to be focused and, and uh, focus on, on implementing actual gameplay. However, getting the, getting the controller in I think it'll just be a bunch of experimentation that we have to do, try and find a, a scheme that really just works for an Xbox controller or a PS4 controller. That is something to look forward to in the future then. So now we get to the really fun part of the podcast. We've we've gone through your background, how you got to Ember Sword. We've answered some community questions. And now we get to learn about your gaming habits, um, which is something I really enjoy when I record these. So first in line, 
What are your top five favorite video games? Top five favorite video games. All right. Um, I mean, number one is definitely Yoshi's World from the the SNES. Ah, awesome. it's an old game, but I love it so much, and I've finished it like five times. Uh, I love the art style, love the music, love the gameplay. Not everything's perfect, but uh, maybe maybe it's just nostalgia. But I, I really love the game. Oh my god, your your answer is exactly the same as mine. Only mine is Prince of Persia Warrior Within, and you oh, can nice. just substitute yeah. it. I love that game. <laughs> my 2004 Godsmack phase really loved it, and it still holds up. <laughs> that game is fantastically well made. Nice. Yeah, it's just something about old games that you played as a kid. You know, like the music brings back memories, and then you just play the whole game again. It's amazing. Uh, and I have the same with with um, with Kingdom Hearts one and mm -hmm. two, which oh man, you know, you're a trooper. Yeah, when I when I used to play them, I was I don't know maybe ten or so. I didn't speak any English. I didn't know how to read anything in English, and and like the the story of Ember, or of Kingdom Hearts is so convoluted, right? It's <laughs> one of the most ridiculous stories in yes. any video game. And not being able to speak English, I have no idea how I finished that game. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's ridiculous, but I I still love it so much. I still haven't played Kingdom Hearts three though. I need to get myself a PS4, PS5. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, as far as I know, and that's from um, a video game podcast I've been listening to for like ten years. One of the hosts loves Disney and sort of has a strange love hate relationship with Kingdom Hearts, where Kingdom Hearts is is a fantastic um, fan service game that is horribly designed. Oh really? Oh no. <laughs> Especially Kingdom Hearts 3, it, it feels like it was made 19 years ago, but it's got current things. Yeah, yeah, it looks fancy, but it's still... <laughs> yeah. No, okay, I so still Yoshi. want to play it. Yeah, yeah so Yoshi, yeah, Kingdom, Yoshi Hearts, what else? Kingdom Hearts, uh, Dark Souls 1. Nice. Amazing game. Best level design I've ever seen in a video game. And... Um, Oh, I remember playing Dark Souls 1. I was going in attention. I remember playing oh, Dark Souls ahead. 1. I love Dark Souls Tensions. Right, you start in the um, the starting area where there's like a well and there's an NPC there. Mm -hmm. And I started the game, and I just walked up to the NPC and I hit him, right? Yeah. And I was like, oh shit, no, he's way too strong. So I logged out of the game and then I I started <laughs> back in, and he just started attacking me again. I was like, what's the hell is this? <laughs> he that's knows, that's he not knows. how it's supposed to work. <laughs> oh, that was so good. Yep. And he just kept attacking me throughout the entire game. So every time I came back to the starting area, that was like oh a really God. overpowered NPC following me. Oh my God. <laughs> that game is so unforgiving. You broke oh. Oscar of Astoria. How dare you? Isn't he supposed to... <laughs> I, if I remember correctly, that's the... Are you talking about the one that's um, past the wall that the boulder breaks in the end of the asylum? Um, no, no, no. Like in the very, very beginning when when you start the game and you, you enter like an area with this the well... And there's a, a knight at the corner just sitting there, I think. Um, oh, him! Oh my god, yes! Yeah, like the <laughs> very first guy. Yeah. <laughs> he who spews vague lore yes. tidbits, if I remember correctly. Yes. Yeah. The one who's in every Dark Souls game. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna... <laughs> I use these segments as sort of a platform to commit sacrilege and make people not like me. Um, my favorite Dark Souls game might be Dark Souls 2. Oh no. I know, hold on, hear me <laughs> out. I know it's an unfinished pile of garbage, alright? There are some areas that just make no geometric sense, but if you tough out the initial areas of the game, which are, let's face it, not done, 
<laughs> you get to unravel possibly one of the best stories in a FromSoftware game where the, you know, the uh, fall of King Vendrig, the... So, okay, for those uninitiated, Dark Souls is a very insane fantasy world um, <laughs> that tells the story of just endless cycles of, of cursed people living awful lives. And Dark Souls 2 in particular tells the story of the king of the land that you play in, King Vendrick, who essentially created the whole game uh, as a series of challenges that his wife need, that, that are aimed to keep his wife away from his treasure. <laughs> and is this incredibly, incredibly sad and well-written story in a game that seemingly is just trash in, in terms of level design, at least initially. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I never got into it. Like, I played one, I loved it. I, I couldn't really get into two. And then three, I, I really enjoyed as well. Three is three is really good, mostly because it's just a lot of stuff from one. <laughs> yeah, true. I, I still prefer one, but three looks nicer. And, oh, and yeah. feels a bit smoother, plays a bit, bit more fluid. I will say Dark Souls 2 might have the best DLC, though. Apart from uh, Bloodborne's The Old Hunters, which I hold as, like probably the best well one of the best dlcs ever made for a video game dark souls 2 does a thing that i enjoy immensely when expansions drop which is it tells a cohesive narrative that has incredible implications for the world of the game and not only that the level design of those dlcs is stupendously good <laughs> so if it's you haven't just, got it's a shame those, though that the, the base mm -hmm. game then is is such a mess Honestly, uh, if you if you are interested and have the time, play um, Scholar of the First Sin. Like those, it's frequently on sale. It fixes a lot of the things wrong with the game. And if you tough out the initial five-ish hours and you start getting to the mid to late game stuff, and then do the DLCs, you're gonna have a fantastic time with it. It's awesome. All right, all right. Just send me a link afterwards. I'll have a look. Oh hell yeah. Uh, so what else beyond those three? <laughs> <laughs> what else? Um, RuneScape. Definitely RuneScape. I, I played it as a kid. So much fun. Uh, again, couldn't speak any English, but no idea how I managed to <laughs> managed to play the game, but I, I have good memories of that. Yeah. Awesome. So, and then last one, I suppose. Uh, that was like four, right? Last one mm -hmm. would be Forged Alliance, which is uh, RTS game. Oh, what's it about? I don't think I've heard about it. Um... It's an extreme micromanagement RTS game, so you can have up to a thousand troops, and are not like platoons, so each unit is like an individual unit you can individually control. Um, and then all the... Um, everything's projectile based, so you can actually micromanage your units to dodge a projectile as it falls from a plane, and it's, it's pretty crazy and the skill cap is insane. Dude, that's but I really enjoyed so the game. complicated. <laughs> it's really complicated. You have to pay so much attention. It's ridiculous. Have you gotten carpal tunnel from it? Because it sounds like <laughs> you might. I haven't played in a while, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> so that's why your hands work. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, what is your longest gaming session then? Is, does it feature any of those games that you just mentioned? Ooh. That's a good question. Longest gaming session. I think it might be RuneScape where I like pulled an all-nighter with a friend. Oh, tell me about it. I think. Hmm. Well, maybe no. That's a good question. I think I think it was um, Gears of War. Gears of War, just, really? Yeah, yeah. Gears of War came out on like the Xbox 360, right? 
Uh-huh. And and I think I played it with a friend like throughout the night and and even in the next day and we were so broken down at the end of it. <laughs> but I think we I think we finished it in like one sitting. Yeah. Was that horde mode multiplayer campaign? What did you play? Um I think it was the entire single player and then we also played some multiplayer afterwards. Oh yeah. my god. We just we just kept going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. The the answers I've gotten so far with this question by the way are mostly uh single player games. And it's it's interesting to know that finally somebody represents the uh the co-op crowd, which I really <laughs> love. So Yeah, I mean split screen co-op. That was mm-hmm. that's still the best kind of co-op in my opinion. Like the multiplayer. That's true. That's, that's true. Yeah. The best. There's no substitute to just punching your friends on the couch for hours on end. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's how I learned to play drums is through hour-long sessions of rock band with bad singing and, like, <laughs> smashing plastic instruments. <laughs> nice. So what is your fondest gaming memory, then? I mean, my fondest gaming memory is probably also my, my least fond one. Is when, I, <laughs> <laughs> when I was like 13, 14, something like that, my RuneScape account got hacked or stolen or whatever. Oh no. And I played that game for like three hours, four hours every day after school for, I don't know, two years or something. And, and my account got hacked and I lost everything and I felt so horrible for two days, which is obviously not a very happy memory but it at the same time like it, no. it doesn't sound like it no but at the same time like i realized how much i cared about that game and how many friends i made in the game Aww. and and that was just it's it's somehow a sweet memory yeah it's sort of a you don't miss it until it's gone type of thing yeah i guess so yeah yeah i i really i really love that game and i played it so much and, <laughs> and i made so many friends in the game and yeah it was, it was a great time yeah that's awesome when, when did you play it actually most actively um i played it most actively when it came out so it's like 2007 8 9 i think Mm -hmm. so i played in the in the early days i tried runescape one i think but i that was that one looked so horrible i couldn't really get into it (laughs) (laughs) because i know did you did you manage to run it okay it's a weird question but it's, it's leading to a segue trust me uh yeah yeah i think so I'm asking because um, I know a friend of mine who really wanted to play, to play RuneScape, but his computer couldn't run it. Really? So the yeah. So somehow, so the only way he could play it was by looking at his feet in the menu map. <laughs> so he memorized oh, no. every floor tile in the game, and that's how he played RuneScape. That's impressive. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, I mean, the be- in the beginning, it was just the Java applet that was running in your browser, right? And then they went away mm-hmm. from the browser, which was kind of surprising. I mean, I, I guess since Java is, is dying, I suppose. <laughs> Java applets, at least. Poor Java, rest in peace. <laughs> uh, according to them, it still runs on 3 billion devices, so it's fine. <laughs> it has yes, been for like 20 devices. years. Yeah, yeah stored <laughs> in people's attics. One of them's probably gained sentience by this point. <laughs> And its 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 whole existence is trapped in a in a Java fueled nightmare, not being able to upload itself to the internet. Oh God, been there, Java fueled nightmare. Java, really? Uh, also, uh, just just programming things in general. Oh, so like, I'm not a huge fan of Java. <laughs> I don't think anybody I mean, is at this point. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. No. Yeah, there, there's some there's somebody on like life support with an artificial lung with one hand twitching. Running on involuntarily. Java. Involuntarily, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, on Java. And his hand is just going through the motions of programming in Java. <laughs> but 
the last vestiges of his sanity slipping away through his fingertips into Java code. <laughs> God, I think I think I just created a new Shadowrun character. Christ. Okay, so <laughs> that's that was all the questions I wanted to ask, and we got ourselves a pretty decent little podcast. So thank you for taking the time to uh, sit down and have this chat with me. Hopefully, uh, all the listeners enjoyed this this awesome banter. And yeah, look forward to um, a more technical podcast with Yoris in the future. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Hey, you. You made it to the end. Congratulations. That must mean you like us enough to want more, right? Well, good news. We're all over the internet. Go to embersword.com and subscribe to our newsletter for a chance to play the game early, as well as the latest interesting tidbits on the game and the team. Join our lovely Discord community over at discord.gg slash embersword. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at PlayEmbersword for regular updates on what we're up to. And remember the basics. Drink water, be kind to each other, and spread the word about Embersword.